Do you feel like you're barely keeping your head above water? That no matter how hard you try, meaningful progress remains out of reach? Heather gets that. She battled an eating disorder for years before seeking help. Now in recovery, Heather is here to tell you that positive change is possible even when it doesn't feel that way. Join her as she shares openly about her struggles and small triumphs. Fair warning, though. Heather doesn't hold back. Her candid story may trigger some. But for those wanting honesty, hope, and healing, this is 1% Better with Heather. The information and stories shared on 1% Better are based on host Heather's personal experiences with eating disorders and mental health challenges. Heather is not a licensed doctor, therapist, dietitian, or other health professional. Her advice and opinions should not be taken as professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or a qualified health provider regarding any medical or health-related issues. 1% Better also contains descriptions of eating disorders that may be triggering for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hey there, my little gaffers, and welcome to the 1% Better podcast. I'm your host, Heather, and today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Recovery Dad, as he's affectionately known on his TikTok, who has been exactly that, a dad trying to help his daughter through this eating disorder, eating disorder recovery hell, and along the way has become everyone's dad. Welcome, Recovery Dad. Hey, Heather, how are you? Hi. So let's ask the hard question, because I haven't been down this route, and I'm really, really interested in, in it. Tell me about your daughter's impatient experience. Okay. After we um, got from the, the school nurse, we found out her heart rate was really bad. We Obviously, we knew nothing about residential, inpatient, any of this at all. Obviously, very new to us. So we, um, we thought that, oh, okay, there's like, PHP, which is partial hospitalization program, you go every day. You go for breakfast, lunch, a couple of snacks, and you have dinner and another snack at home. So we will, okay, cool. They have to do a health evaluation for that. And when her and my wife went in, I was at work. They were homeschooled, so I see no big deal. Go to the doctor. They do this, and they told my wife, like, hey, your daughter is not doing well health-wise. They said, you can't do PHP. They said, you have to bring her to this our other facility, which is on a hospital campus for inpatient. So, and sorry. They what's, both freaked out. What's PHP for those who don't know? Oh, it stands for Partial Hospitalization Program. That's why they consider partial because you, you're at home. You spend nights at your house. So you go there in the morning, you have your breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, and you do um, sessions like therapies, one-on-one and groups and stuff like that. So it's called partial because you don't spend the night there. So you're there, it's, it's like school. You're there for eight hours and then you come home. Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. That's basically what it is. You just, it's a place where you go for your meals and therapy and stuff like that. And they do, I think some school, online school but you spend the night at home. You sleep in your own bed at home with your family. So that's the partial part of it. That's why that is ideal for a lot of people if you're at that level and she was nowhere near that level. So she was 
way sicker than that. Yeah. That could handle. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, PHP is after you get out of residential and residential is after you would get out of inpatient. And obviously the very, the sickest you would be would just be straight hospital. But she wasn't there. She was at the level of inpatient. Okay. So now walk me through this because I haven't been through it. And for hopefully parents listening to this podcast, how do you pick an inpatient and how does that all work? Well, the inpatient program that we went to that Olivia used was basically because it was the PHP program we were going to use. So this was their facility. So that's, I mean, they're, they're all over. Most people's areas in the United States, most hospitals will have a program pretty close to it or on their campus. So this just happened to be the one that we were looking to PHP. This was their program. So once they went to that visit, they said, hey, your daughter really needs this and we have to go immediately. And that means not seeing me, not saying goodbye, anything. It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then all of a sudden I get a phone call and Olivia's crying, saying, No, 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 Daddy, don't, 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 don't let me go. Don't, don't make me do this. She's like, I don't get to see you. You know, it was quite honestly one of the hardest conversations I ever had on the phone. It was heartbreaking to have your daughter begging you, don't do something, even though you know she desperately needs it. And how and, long did you stay in that impatient? Oh, that was, um, I think 10 or 12 days. It, it, inpatients are a lot of times very quick because it's just to get your, get your vitals up. Yeah. They put some weight on you. They, and they kind of gauge you where you are because they have therapists and psychiatrists there as well. And, you know, obviously there's nurses, this is all around the, the, the clock and it, it was just for adolescents because obviously, yeah, you're, you're not going to miss mix adults with kids. So she stays at this inpatient for 12 days. Yeah. Then where did she go from there? Then after inpatient, which some of it was horrible. They had some bad people. It, inpatient wasn't a good experience. There was one person there that my daughter absolutely loved, this old Polish woman. She called her Bacha, and she didn't work every night. She made it bearable for my daughter, and my daughter absolutely adored her. So after she gets out of that, and then you have to go to a residential, because still, after inpatient, you are nowhere ready for like a PHP, the partial. And residential is a difficult thing to, to get into because... Each facility, a lot of them, the good ones, you're talking they have 10 or 12 girls. It's all, you know, the same sex. They keep it in there. And you you have to get on a waiting list for residential. And so we did that and we did research. Well, my wife does the majority of the research because I'm driving a truck, so I don't have the, the time to do that. And she found a place that was about a half hour from our house. Well, that's... Very convenient. So now, so now she's in this inpatient or in treatment. Yeah. 
And how long did she? And so now walk me through that. How long is she there for that? Oh, she was for the residential, the residential. She was there for two months, eight weeks. That's, that's the, the shortest time period they'll allow there. They tell you right away, minimum eight weeks. And she went in December of 2022, December 8th. And she was gone till February 8th. I mean, it just worked out perfectly. Um, I took off work, obviously, to go with her there. We had to pack her up, and it was it was really hard. And because we we're in a room with um, the director, we had to meet all these people, and it's so fast because they have to get you in this back door so you don't see any of the other kids there, obviously yet. And we're in a room filling up this, signing that, and. They even said, she's like, they said to Olivia, there's a bathroom in here if you need to use it because it's going to be the last time that you're going to be able to use it by yourself without somebody standing outside the door. And she was just, yeah, because you know how that is. They, obviously, there's no trust. They can't, they can't afford to trust them at all because they know what they're going to do. So if you can, walk me through what, your daughter's mindset of going through a back door. I I can relate to her side of it. Like what's going through her head? Is she talking to you? Is she crying? Is she flipping out? Like I'd be trying to figure out how to run, <laughs> right? Like a credit credit to her, she was she was very calm. Um she knew she needed this, but obviously calm, but she was scared because she's getting dropped off there with strangers. And it was really hard. I mean, obviously hardest for my wife, because I said my wife is with her 24-7 when she was born, always there, you know. And it was incredibly hard because she's only spent the night away from home other than when she went to inpatient, you know, at like a grandparent's house. A handful of times because she's not honestly not a big fan of that <laughs> she doesn't like to go but um she was pretty pretty calm which we were really impressed with because i think deep deep down at this early stage she knew she needed that didn't want to go but she knew that she needed it well let's let me ask you that that was going to be my next question did she I always call it a light switch, right? I go between this light switch. Yes, I'm sick. No, I'm not. Yes, I'm sick. No, I'm not. I'm totally fine. Everyone else is fucked in the head. This is not my fault. <laughs> it's their fault, right? Like, and you go back, like, it's it's very tiring. Like, did you see that in her? Like, she knew, like, she, she, she was know. sick and this wasn't yeah. going to go well? No, exactly. Because we... We would question her, you know, like, hey, you're not eating, you know, this and that. And, you know, just a lot, you know, we said stupid things because you don't know, right? And she, when we were brought this up to her, she's even said, she's like, I need help. She's like, I, I can't do this by myself. I won't do it by myself. And thoroughly impressed with that. I don't know if she did it because she honestly wanted help or just scared trying to make us feel better, trying to gain our trust. We had no idea because all those things, you know, are with an eating disorder, especially trying to gain your trust. So we would cut her slack here and there. But she came to us and we said, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And that led to wanting to do PHP, 
then end up an inpatient and then finally to residential and yeah and but she came to us after we after we questioned her but she did come to us and she admitted it that if she didn't get help it wasn't going to happen so we're now in residential with your daughter who is what age at the time she was da, 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 she was 14 and she had her 15th birthday at residential well happy fucking birthday jeez yeah and That's christmas hard. And Christmas and yeah, her th- birthday. That, that takes a strong person. Like, that really does. I give her a lot her, of Her birthday is two that. days after Christmas. So it was Christmas and then, bam, her birthday. And that was tough. Yeah. That, that was very tough. God. <clears throat> so now tell me about that whole experience. Do you get to go in and visit whenever you want? Is there set days? Are you only allowed there for a couple hours? Are you only allowed, like, do you have to clear, like, security? Like, what? what's what's the deal with that? <laughs> okay. You, you can't go whenever you want. It's, it's a set schedule. And there's, like, a couple, like, an hour here, an hour there. There's, like, a few hours that you can go on this one day. But they have multiple rooms that you can visit. And, but we would always be able to visit when we needed to and when we wanted to, when they would allow us. One was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I think the most, or a Friday. And so we would take Friday because it was easiest for me for, for, for work. You know, it was easiest to get off early. And we would get about an hour. And it was just me and my wife. You were allowed two people. So we would, we were lucky. We had the big room downstairs, like the therapy room, the group room. So we would go there and we just go to the front door because this residential facility was a converted mansion, a massive property that holds 12 girls plus staff, private chef, no less. And um, we would go there, visit and it was, it was nice. You know, we got to see her and it went okay majority of the time. And we would get phone calls. She would get phone calls, multiple calls a day. And during the day a lot, she would call me. I would talk with her when I was driving. She would get, it would be like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And if no one filled out, you would fill out a log for calls. And right away, she would get down there. And no one would take the last one. They all knew it was for her because she could, that's the one she would get to talk to her mom. You know, so that was it. Phone calls and once a week we could visit. And what's her attitude in these phone calls? Is she begging to come home? Is she crying? Is she telling you, like, I hope you die? Like, what's <laughs> what? What's the the back and forth between you two? Well, all except for the last one. She never said that. <laughs> but some of them are really difficult. And always felt so bad for my wife. The hardest and worst phone calls would be the very night one when she would talk to my wife because I usually would be sleeping because it was like about 9.30 and I'd be in bed already because I get up very early for work. And it'd be crying, it'd be yelling. And then sometimes I would still be awake or I'd get up or something. And, you know, my wife would be like, I don't want to talk to you. If this is how it's going to be, I don't want to talk to you. And she would hang up because it wasn't going anywhere. A lot of it was at first, like, I don't need to be here. Um, I don't belong here. I mean, 
obviously total lies, you know, but yeah, a lot of times, and it was, I always felt so bad for my wife. The last phone call of the day would be the worst. And a lot of times Olivia would get a few phone calls. She would call me right in the morning. She's like, well, I have another one at one fifteen. Do you want me to call you or mama? I'm like, call mama, you know, give her, you know, cause those phone calls are always better. Call her. But that last phone call in general was really bad and hard. Sometimes I would take the phone because my wife would be crying. She couldn't handle it because to hear your kids say that, even though you know now that it wasn't your kids saying those horrible things, it's still hard to hear because it's your kid. So she's there for two months. You're only allowed to visit on certain times. She's only allowed to have phone calls. So it's very, very controlled process. What happens if she lashes out in a meeting or doesn't, is there punishment in this places? I guess this is what I'm really asking. Well, I guess it's not really punishment, but you're not going to get rewarded. You could, there were different levels. Like um, if you didn't refuse snacks, you ate all your meals, you didn't refuse, you didn't sit. There are certain things, you know, or just staring at the other kids at the table. If you didn't cause any problems and you ate everything and didn't refuse meals, you could get then um, like um, a virtual snack or a meal with your um, parents, with anybody, basically. The people on your approved call list, maybe the people on her list were uh, me and my wife, my other daughter, and pretty much my parents, my, my mother. And you would get these. You could get your phone back for a, a little bit. Oh, no, no one ever got the phone. That was level three. They just hung that. They dangled that carrot out there. But no one ever got that level three. But they, they could still, you know, they had their iPads for school. So she chose her iPad instead of her laptop because she's slick. She's smart. Because when she was doing her school, it was linked with her phone. And she could just, through the Wi-Fi, iMessages. We would get messages all the time from her and emails she would let us go stuff that's going on around there that we really believe we deserve to know and the people weren't telling us but so let's go, go into that one so she's not dumb she's got an awesome way to talk to you back and forth are you getting reports from doctors and psychologists and dietitians at this time or are you guys left in the dark oh no we would um my wife would go to weekly family therapy which was always a shit show it was horrible the same argument all the time and but you would you could call anytime i would call the director my wife would call email a lot and you weren't left in the dark about your your daughter's health about what was going on. Because one of the big things with, if you like refused a snack or a meal, they had to call your parents. You had to tell them that you did that. And it, it it's weird that none of them really wanted to do that when, when they're not at a facility like this and you're at home, they'll tell us, no, screw you. No, I'm not eating that without even blinking an eye. But some stranger at a facility like this tells them, and most of them, a lot of them just do everything they're told. It's like, what the hell? It's because they're smart. They do everything they're told and they don't miss a beat. They get out of there. They can get out of there. 
instead of being there, yeah, instead of being there three months, two months out, she was out two months to the day, eight weeks out. But they always let us know what was going on with her own kid. But a lot of times they wouldn't tell you if some other shit went down with her. Well, not in her defense, but you do go into a fight, fight, flight freeze mode and you do what you need to protect yourself in there right and you're just like yep, mm, i don't want to be here so yeah i totally get yeah. that man no one even knew where i was right i was quiet yeah. in the more quiet yard they leave you alone right yeah. and sometimes you know i'm not saying it's smart but i'm just saying right exactly you do what you gotta <laughs> do so two months to the day and she comes home i'm sorry so she's there for two months to yes. the day, right? Yes. And then she comes home. Is there, again, like a report? Anyone say, like, when, when you're leaving, do they're like, have a nice time, see you goodbye? Or is there like a big checkout pro progress? There's, um, obviously, we go out the same door we came in. We came in a side door and you leave with so much more crap because Amazon delivers to the house. Oh, hey, I ordered this. Hey, I ordered that. It's just, you know, so you, but you just let it go. And they do tell you, they tell you about the, the meal plan that they had. Um, they obviously tell you how good or bad they did. But obviously she did good. She did everything she was supposed to because she wanted out. Um, you know, and for her, Olivia, she was like a model patient there or resident. We'll call it there because all the RCs, the, the women who helped, loved her. And the, the couple of the directors, you know, always had nice things to say about her. They all loved her. And they, you know, they would tell you exactly. They Obviously, we got to hear, always got to hear the weights of what she was at every week as she progressed. And the, the amount of food they these kids eat is, wow. And they do it. You know, they, they put it down because they went out. So when you go pick her up, her last day there, what does that look like? Um, the day before, early in that morning, obviously something that we didn't see, all the kids, the girls there, there's like a little ceremony where they're all waiting there and she has all her stuff in the hall. And there's like some little sign thing where they all sign and they give it to her. They, Oh, she didn't tell us exactly because it's something for them. And there's just some little ceremony they do, but we would get there. All these had all these extra hefty bags of stuff because it didn't fit in the suitcase that we came with. There was more and you just sign some papers and out you go. And they, they won't release you on a, a Saturday because then Sunday, you wouldn't have your PHP because that's what's after residential partial plan. And they wouldn't. So she released on like, I believe a Thursday. So she could immediately go on a Friday to what she needed to. So yeah, that was on a Thursday. I took the day off work and I took the next day off of work as well. So we could take her to the PHP. That's all for this episode of 1% better. To continue the conversation, head over to our website at www.1percentbetter.ca, where you can access more stories and resources. We'd also love it if you subscribed and left us a review on your favorite podcast platform, 
And remember, friends, progress takes patience, perspective, and sometimes a little help from people who get it. So be kind to yourself and others as we work to get 1% better every day. We'll see you back here next week.